Hello and welcome to Brits on Flicks, your monthly movie podcast where we discuss, deliberate and dissect a movie of our choosing. This month the movie is The Day of the Jackal from 1972 I believe. First time watch for both of us, Brian. What's your history with this movie that you've never seen before? Uh, yeah, my history with this movie is that a film in, was it the 90s, late 90s or early 90s? I think late 90s probably around 97, something like that, called The Jackal, mm. came out uh, and it starred Bruce Willis and Richard Gere and I, I assumed it was just an original film but then when it came out and he started reading about it, oh it's a remake, you know, I was like about 16 or 17 at the time, uh, yeah, it's a remake of apparently a classic film uh, so I never did go and see it at the cinema but I did get it out no I, did, I didn't rent it out I it was on TV so when it hit TV a few years later I recorded it I watched 15 minutes that's probably a yeah conservative estimate but uh it, it weren't good it, it weren't good at all um, I, I remember Richard Gere playing really camp in a bar scene. Um, and not much more than that, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I, it, it, it wasn't something that was interesting me, put it that way. I, I mm. turned it off and I've never been back since. But I did know that it was a remake of what was apparently a classic film. So, so the, the original has been on my radar for some time, but it's never been a pressing matter for me yeah. so until now until now uh, yeah much like yourself I, I did see the jackal um, all of it and it, it was pretty crap um, <laughs> my my resounding memory from it is Jack Black um, as, an oh, ar- right. as an arms salesman okay um, but he's just completely Jack Black in it which is odd totally miscast yeah um, wow. the, the movie wasn't great I knew of the day of the jackal I knew it was a classic movie it was one of those ones I always said I'm going to watch it at some point I can't wait to get to it um, but obviously I could wait because I did <laughs> waited. <laughs> <laughs> I waited a long time uh, Arrow released uh, uh, last year on Blu-ray and I picked it up in one of the HMV 5 for 30 deals um, and it's just kind of sat there waiting to get watched at some point and finally got round to it. So, um, shall we dive in with your synopsis? Let's let's dive in. Okay, so it is the early. Sorry, I'll start that again. It is the early sixties in France. The remaining survivors of the aborted French Foreign Legion, now calling themselves the OAS 
have made repeated attempts to kill President Charles de Gaulle. The result is that he is the most closely guarded man in the world. As a desperate act, they hire the Jackal, the code name for a hired killer who agrees to kill de Gaulle for half a million dollars. As he makes his preparations, drawing ever closer to his target, the police slowly begin to close in on him, forcing him to take ever more drastic action. But in the end, will the police claim victory? Or will this be the day of the jackal? Well done, Brian. Okay, so um, the first thing I think I want to talk about with this movie is this sort of role reversal that it does. You know, we, we follow our main character who is the antagonist of the piece, the, the, the assassin, the person that we should be rooting against. Uh, every now and again, we'll go back to our protagonist, the detective who's behind it all, and it's such just a just a strange uh, change of, of pace in these kind of movies that you end up spending most of your time with the antagonist. I don't know about you, but at one hand, I knew exactly what he was doing was kind of wrong, but I was hoping he was going to succeed because <laughs> I was spending time with him. And it's one of the strange magic tricks that the movie pulls because he is a deplorable character. You know, almost everything he does or everybody he meets is going to die or be caught up um, in his wake. Yet, for some reason, I, I, I was following this character and I was interested what he was going to do next or where he was going to go or how the story was going to play out. What did you think of this whole aspect of the movie? Yeah, it, it's... Uh... Just exactly what you said, really. Just because you spend so much time with this guy, you're asked to relate to him. Um, it's not a character you would want to relate to in real life, but because we're we're seeing seeing it all through the lens of a camera, so to speak, you do. You, you I think there's there's something about whoever you spend your time with you begin to become like um you know and, and in life whatever you surround yourself with mm. you, you begin to become like you know there's quite a lot to be said for hanging with the wrong crowd um and yeah this is only a two two hour two and a half hour movie so we we come out of that company pr pretty you know pretty sharpish so I, I just think yeah because you're spending time with this guy you're seeing the the lengths to which he has to go to to put his plan in motion you almost kind of respect it you respect the uh the gall of it you 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 respect the de gall wow. of it wow. yeah sorry <laughs> you, you do you you, you appreciate because let's not forget, this is based on a true story. This is, you know, the the, the jackal is a real character. Uh, you know, they, they, they didn't know that much about him because he covered his tracks pretty well. But they have certain ideas as to who he may have been. Um, but yeah, to, like, you can never really escape that as you're watching the movie, that actually this was a real person. Someone who did this stuff, attempted to do this stuff, and the, the fact that there are people like this out there today, people who will think nothing 
of taking someone's life and putting a great deal of planning into it just so that they continue they can continue to live the high life with the the money that they make from it um but uh but yeah you do you get sucked into that person's world because yeah. we spend so much time with him and i i do think you know if, if we flipped that coin and if we spent all the time mostly with the police officers who were trying to track him down then again we'd we'd be in that boat um and i you know if, if you think about a film like heat mm -hmm. you know the michael mann film in that film we spend kind of equal time with both sides of the law with with al pacino's cop and robert de niro's bank robber um and in that film you don't know who to root for you're kind of on both sides because again it's it's about that no matter whether somebody's done right or wrong if 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 they're putting the effort in <laughs> i guess if it's who they are if they live and breathe it then you can kind of appreciate it in some weird twisted way yeah. um whereas like if you look at bad men bad women in movies where it's a where it's literally a flash of anger and they do something nasty they sicken you and you don't really you don't really develop develop any kind of level of respect for them you just want them caught straight away but seeing this guy how he operates all the machinations he's got to go to to, to make his plan succeed he's a smart guy mm. to do he's to also do, He's, he's incredibly charismatic as well in the scenes that he's there. Mm. Um, one of the key things the movie's missing uh, is an almost confidant, you know, somebody that works with him hand in hand. Everybody here dealing with him is somebody that's working with him for the first time. So you also mm. have that mystery layered on of, of how is he going to kill this person? When is he going to do it as well? And it, it adds something a little bit of, of interest to the movie of how it's going to go on. And you get all these people that are interacting with him and he seems to be very closed off or he'll be charming if he needs to be. He gives him zero information. He doesn't haggle with anybody. He gives him mm. exactly what they want to get the job done. But I think everybody he deals with dies. you know. And, and even when you get to the end, there's this thing all the way through the movie where you think you know who this character is. The police talk about this character. That, um, and it turns out not to be this. I mean, you get to the end mm. of the movie you realise that you know nothing about this character other than mm -hmm. his actions and his actions just show you what a terrible person he was and one of the most just downbeat endings I've seen in a long while just that, that, that grave in the middle of nowhere um, no uh, gravestone on it and just just the dirt being thrown in on top of this nameless uh, unknown person yeah. it's, just, it's just such a, a strange it's a strange movie and that fact, it, it's quite sad, isn't it? Mm. Really, it's, it's it's a sad existence. Um, like I, I was going to say, that the the guy is clearly intelligent, like oh, yeah. very very intelligent, yeah. more more intelligent than your average person on the street. In order to to be able to put all these things in motion. Imagine if someone like that applied that intelligence, that level of intelligence, to something of a more productive nature. Um, like the the guy is, he's pretty much a narcissist. He's got a very narcissistic personality, mm -hmm. yeah. um, and uh, yeah, and we, and we see that as well with 
he doesn't he doesn't care who he sleeps with either male or female yeah. it, it's just as long as it allows him to achieve his end um mm. and, and it is just this complete level of narcissism in which he is top dog in his in his own mind he's you know he's he is he, he wants to outsmart everyone he wants to be proven to be the best i guess um so yeah but at the end of the day where does that get him after, after yeah. all those smarts after all you know the high life he's lived from the money he's made from all the people he's killed at the end of the day he still ends up in a nameless tomb as you say just kind of forgotten uh i, I yeah I, fi I find that quite sad to be honest I, I, oh, incredible yeah a waste of human life and potential mm. but it's like you say it's it's there is so much potential there but it's almost as if every bad human trait has been poured into this one individual mm. and yet somehow you're with them on this journey mm. Yeah. You know, you're hoping he can get by the customs person at the border. You're hoping he can escape the police. Yeah. You're hoping he can achieve his mission, which is to kill somebody. It's, mm. it's a weird paradox. It's very. It's, I, I don't know how much of the film or what happens in the film was how it was done in real life, but there are yeah. some really ingenious methods that he employs to, to get where he's going. Like the the gun that he gets mm. that he kind of pulls apart and whatnot and then he hides it in the exhaust pipe so he cuts out a section of exhaust pipe puts it in there like a tube and then welds it back in mm. just gets straight over the border it's just it, it does kind of make you wonder really um quite fearfully about what is crossing our borders today uh, mm. using you know a method as simple as that really uh, scare, scary stuff <laughs> yeah absolutely I, I, mean, I suppose the other aspect you've got as well is the, the police procedural which would normally be the main focal point of the movie but we just mm. we only go back there every now and again to see this guy and, and you could quite easily see the movie having a, a focus on him He would in a normal movie he would be the main star this would be yeah. the person that we were following um, would, would he make the whole detective angle here? I, I like it because they, they they give you enough. Mm. Um, you know, we we don't get any great personal insight into these guys' lives, but we get enough about this this main one to know that again, he's not a man to be outsmarted. He's mm. he's a person who's quite determined. He was brought in for a reason. He's proven himself, obviously, in other cases. Mm. Um, and uh, we get a little a little bit with his wife. And there's one rather amusing scene when she's trying to wake him up. But he's just, he's so far gone mm. that like even when she's shaking him, he, he's not waking up. Uh, and it, again, that's it just shows you how committed he is to the job because he's spent sleepless nights kind of just just working 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 until eventually when he when he does sleep he's yeah he's laid out for the count but um no i like this guy i i believe he's the he's the guy who played drax in moonraker if i'm not mistaken yeah i think yeah, I I, th I think that's him. I think he's the one who played Drax in Moonraker. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I, I like him here. I like, I like the actor uh, in the few things I have seen him in. Despite Moonraker being the worst Bond film ever made, I liked him in that as well. He was probably the, the one redeeming thing in that film. But, um, but yeah, no. I like him, like his personality. I like the character. Very quiet, kind mm. of... Re reminds me a little bit of the, uh, de the detective from V for Vendetta. Yeah. Very unassuming very quiet but confidently going about his business and, and doing it very well um so yeah and that's what this movie does as well it's it's very steady it's not in a rush to tell its tale but it doesn't mm. feel as if it's meandering at all at any point yeah. it feels as if it's covering a, a lot of plot points um, mm. and i kind of i kind of like that it was, it was one i felt i had to pay attention to while watching the movie you know sometimes yeah. you can let a movie wash over you this one i felt as if i had to keep an eye on who who the different people were, whereabouts they were, because they, they do kind of jump uh, to various different countries. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was one that it really grew on me uh, the more I watched the movie. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't know, like, I don't really know how you feel about the movie as well. I, I liked it. Um, yeah. Ultimately, be because of the way it circumvents a lot of the, the storytelling uh, narrative things that we, we do with these days, but mm -hmm. it's just... At the same time that I liked it, there was something just not quite putting it into like amazing stratosphere for me. I, I can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah, I, I think um, one of the things that lets it down a little bit for me is they hold back on certain things um, that sometimes creates confusion, actually. Uh, so the there's a moment when he... So he he's... He's got in bed with this woman yeah. at the hotel. And first of all, that's rather confusing because he just lets himself into her apartment. From what from what I can tell is happening, he just lets himself into her apartment. And then we cut from that without seeing the, the exchange between them. We cut from that to the morning when they're in bed together. And it's like, okay, you've, You've literally just let, yeah, you've broken in to someone's um, hotel room, essentially. And and then then we cut from there to them waking up in bed together. Like, ha yeah, the guy's a charmer, obviously, yeah. but not seeing that exchange, not seeing how he uh, won her over is, is, is a bit kind of, I don't know, it makes me hard to buy that situation, really, just... That a woman, you know, would be there in a hotel room at night, and some guy just randomly lets himself in. Should we hop mm. into bed? Oh yeah, go on then. Why not? While you let yourself in. Um, I feel and like then, the movie does. Well, sorry to interrupt, but just the movie. I feel does several things like this. There's a moment where he's um, seeing the gun that's made, and he's putting it together, and he asks the guy for a bullet, and then it just kind of cuts away from that. And I don't think we go back to that guy again. Um, the gunmaker, but I'm pretty mm, sure no. it's, it's it's implying that he's about to kill him. Yeah, yeah. But you never you never get the answer the, to that. Yeah, the implication isn't strong enough. It's it's like the scene in Terminator when Terminator gets the the you know buys the 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 shop owner thinks he's buying a gun and then he kind of loads it and then shoots him. Um, 
but without that payoff of seeing him shot. So you don't know if that is what they're angling towards or whether it wasn't. And we, because we never get a definitive answer on that, we don't really know. I mean, unless a piece of information was given at some point in the police, which I, you know, I, I missed, uh, then we don't really get a, a definitive answer as to whether he did shoot him. But mm. there is a slight implication there that he did. The other one is, uh, again, th that I found confusing, uh, was that this, the same woman, he goes back to her mm. later on. He's, he's on the run. She finds out that he's on the run. Um, and he, he goes to see her. And then they sleep together again. And then he, he gently seems to put his hand around her neck. And then after about five seconds, she's just dead. And it's like, what, what just happened there? And, yeah, and I'm kind of, I, I'm like, did she, he poison her? Is is she dead? It's uh, you know, yeah. she is dead. It turns out, but in that yeah. scene, I'm questioning what's happened. Has she just fallen asleep? Has she been poisoned? Did he strangle her? But they just couldn't show it in in all its ferocity because it was yeah. a movie in the seventies. But I, don't, I because it's, it's before that scene when he turns up, she starts to panic and she goes through the phone because mm. the police have already questioned about yet. I think it's kind of alluding to the fact that he is so charming because she sleeps with him even though she's kind of terrified at the same time. And, that, and as a line there, post-coitus, um, she kind of goes like, oh, the police were here asking questions about you. Mm. And immediately at that moment, you're like, well, this is him dealing with this loose end. Yeah. Um, and, and, and But at the same time, it's like, is it not showing you him doing these things because it still wants you to be with him? It doesn't want to show you the grisly details? Is it because they couldn't show it? Maybe. I I, I don't know. I, I don't think that would have changed anything, to be honest, because... Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm sure we do see his hand go to her neck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And the, So the implication there is that he has strangled her. So... You know, and we see that in a wide, but because because we don't see a grip and we don't see her struggling, you know, even if it's for just like 10, 15 seconds, you know, a bit of a struggle and then ugh, dies down. But we don't. It's like he just goes like very gently around her neck, almost like he's stroking her. And then she's mm. just lifeless. And it's like, really? No, she doesn't even put up a fight, not even the slightest. It's like she just nods off. So, like, I, it just it leaves me confused in the moment. Not after, obviously, once, once the film carries on playing on, you, you realise, oh, she is dead. So that must have been what happened. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel like I was shown that. You know, I feel like I was left wondering what did just happen, and then I had to catch up. But, uh, yeah, so that... that a few moments like that, as we've said throughout the film. I don't know if it's just, like you say, censorship issues or whatever, but this is 70s, isn't it? Was it 70s? 72, I think. 72? So we, you know, we, we're only like, what, two years away from Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yeah. You know, we'd, we'd had Psycho, like, 12 years before. So I, I, I don't really feel like don't really feel like they, they couldn't you know when 
when we see when we see someone getting knifed essentially in psycho in, in, in one of the you know the, the most famous horror scenes of all time it, it, i don't know i just i just feel like they they wussed out a bit um so um, so, what did, what did you like or dislike about the movie? Was there anything other than those facts? That I, I, I liked a few of the set pieces. Uh, there's a, a scene when the OAS or AOS or whatever they are, OAS, mm -hmm. where they, they literally shoot the president's car out. So they, they ambush really? the car and it's, it's a really impactful scene um you know it's, it's the the bullets the bullet hits have weight the the guns sound heavy they don't sound like you know typical hollywood of the period kind of really echoey shots uh just, it, it sounds like something Ma michael mann would have got you know, again going back to heat it's it, the the sound design on on the on the the bullets and the guns going off and and the impact that it has does feel very man esque I guess um, in that moment so yeah I like that stuff um, I I do like following this character even though yeah like you say he's d despicable you shouldn't like him I don't like him but yeah I'm still engrossed yeah. and I think it's 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 knowing how someone like this goes about it. Obviously, you don't ever want to become this mm -hmm. guy, but that doesn't—it doesn't stop you being any less intrigued as to how somebody goes about such an assassination plot. And I'm—I am big on Michael Mann and also David Fincher. You know, you look at David Fincher's Zodiac. I like those kind of films. You look at Heat. You look at Zodiac. The, the, the attention to detail. Both films based on two stories one much more than another obviously zodiac is is almost you know the, 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 it's very factually accurate is is zodiac and heat's based on some uh, conversations with a real life uh crook in in, in prison um but uh those those movies are very detail heavy they <clears throat> they're interested in the details in the minutiae that <clears throat> other Hollywood, big Hollywood films probably wouldn't be that interesting, interested in. They'd be more interested in getting to the next action set piece and they'd do it with the minimum of fuss and uh, you know, as, as quickly as possible. Whereas this, it actually, it, it does take that time to reveal the details so that when you get to the end, you're never in doubt as to how he went about it and what the real life case would have been like on both sides of the law and i like that stuff i like those kind of movies the movies that do care about those small details every small detail yeah. like there's a there's a scene when um it, it's after the hotel scene uh and the police come you know he, he's just gone they've just missed him by about i think they say five hours or something um and they're interviewing all the hotel staff. And it's just things like that where you wouldn't necessarily see all that stuff in another in another kind of police procedural or whatever. Mm. Uh, whereas this is very much interested in seeing all those little details, the grunt work. Yeah, we don't know much about the police officers, 
but we see the level of work that, that, that goes into it. Another one is in, in the, uh, the records room where they're doing that search yeah. and they get all the men in to do it. And it's like, this is going to take us ages. And the main guy, the Drax guy is like, get started, get on with it. And, and you just, you say, and it makes you appreciate real life police work. Yeah. The fact that actually people are caught, you know, crooks are caught by this kind of stuff, by digging through files. And pe there's no one guy who's the hero. It's yeah. just, there's the a pile of you in a, yeah, there's a pile of you in a room and one of you is gonna be the guy that finds it. It's not because you're special, it's just because it's in there somewhere and there's enough of you in there looking for it. One of you's gonna find it. And it's like, so it's those kind of details that I really like that, that make me engaged in the process of what's going on in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are, are we ready for wrap-ups, Brian? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll go into it. Um, I really liked uh, the Day of the Jackal. I wasn't sure what I was getting into. I didn't realise it was the length it was. I found the character to be pretty captivating and rather unique or, or a uniquely told angle for a character like this. Um, one of the big things that I really enjoyed was the mystery of how this assassination attempt was going to go about. What I'm really curious about is what this is going to be like on a rewatch, mm. with that mystery element taken out of it, with a little bit of lay of the land where you know all these various characters. Will it be more rewarding because I catch all the small details that I may have glossed over the first time, or, or will it become a little bit of a slog? Mm. I'm unsure about that, um, but I will know that I, I will watch it again at some point to, to see what else I see within the movie. Really enjoyed it. It's not perfect. On this watch, I would give it four out of five. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, pretty much what you just said. Uh, I I did like Edward Fox in it. Um, I, I I'm watching this guy and I'm like, man alive, he looks like James Fox. So J James Fox is the actor who was in Performance um, and Chariots of Fire, I believe. And I'm, and I'm looking at this guy and I'm thinking, he just, he proper looks like James Fox. And that, yeah, so it's his brother. He's uh, in real life, real life brother of James Fox. Uh, but but he's good in this role. I like him, he carries it. He's got that good, believable mix of mm. upper crust, snooty little bugger, and also vicious hitman uh, killer. So yeah, I, I again, I like, the details i like the attention to details um it keeps me engaged whether it will keep me engaged on a second watch i don't know but like films like zodiac and heat have tended to keep me engaged on second watch so i'd imagine it will um i think this may go up for me on a second watch actually uh but uh, for now i'm going to give it a three and a half out of five i do think some of the some of the stuff in it has dated. I do think it would stand to be remade <laughs> uh, by someone who knows what they're doing. Like I could very much see someone like David Fincher doing a, a cracking job with with a, with a film like this, with remaking something like this. Um, mm. But yeah, I was engaged. I was I was intrigued enough. It was just like I say, a few of those moments that kind of lead to confusion. I think they held back at times when they should have gone a bit more full on. Maybe, as you say, to 
to, to, to make us not completely lose touch with this guy. Um, I don't think it would have changed things, to be honest. Uh, but uh, yeah, I liked it. It's better than average. Uh, I'll give it a three and a half out of five. Okay, and our top five for this episode is top five movies with an assassination as the main plot point. Yeah. Correct? So yeah. yeah. So uh, an assassination <clears throat> has to be has to be the thing that drives the plot. It's is that is the reason for the story, I guess. Um, so yeah. Okay. So who's going to go first? Go on. I'll I'll, I'll go first. <laughs> okay. Okay. So mine. I, I this. There's quite a few, must be said. I I had 18 altogether, um, but uh, obviously we can only have five. Yeah, this was hard. It, it, this was very hard. Uh, like partic particularly, particularly the five, six, seven. Right, they're all hard. Like any one of these could be <laughs> my number five, but I'm I'm just going to go with it. Um, I think, I think my number five primarily is I put it there just so I can talk about it because I think it's a film worth talking about. Um, I've tried to get on this podcast before um, and failed, and that film is Lust Caution. Um, it is one of the single greatest political thrillers ever made. I think. Um, now, th there are two sex scenes in it that are, are pretty graphic. Um, it's an Ang Lee film. Ang Lee doesn't hold back on, on the sex in it. That, but um, it's like that's five, five minutes of what is a two and a half hour movie. And I know when the movie came out, much was made of those sex scenes. So much was made about them. To, to the point that that's, that's all the film became. Like I say, it's five minutes. The other two hours and 20 minutes of, of movie, it, it's all real political thriller, like hard-edged, just just brilliant espionage stuff um, in which this, this woman has been planted inside a very high-up politician uh, and she's she's there to, to spy on him, get information, and he's a brutal, brutal man. Um, and, 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 and yeah, and it raises moral questions about what we call on people to do within the espionage world, what is asked of them. Um, and it, yeah, you just you identify with this woman, uh, a really strong central female character who's doing things that in most movies are reserved for for male roles uh but uh yeah there's some brutal moments of violence when when it when it hits uh but in a very realistic kind of spielbergian way you know i think films like schindler's list that kind of thing it fits in line with that kind of filmmaking i think um mm. so yeah it's it, it is a film that has largely been forgotten i feel and is due a resurgence due a reappraisal a reevaluation because i think it's like i say one of the best political thrillers slash assassination movies ever made um so so like the, the whole point is they're trying they're trying to set this guy up 
to be assassinated just in case you were wondering where the assassination comes in and she's in there she's doing the spying and eventually when they realize that you know they need to kill this guy they need to set him up as uh, to be assassinated she's the one who is is essentially entrusted to do that to try and to try and put him in the line of fire so to speak yeah. whether whether she succeeds or not i will leave for you to find out if if you just go and watch yeah. the film that, that sounds, sounds like a great movie. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I may actually watch that yeah, pretty soon. Like, mm. Sitting down to do this list was such a, a hardship. I, I'd say I had so many movies listed and I was like, oh, does it fit, does it not? Do I want to lose that one? Um, then there was movies that I hadn't seen in a long while and I was like, mm. does that hold up? There's movies that I've, I've never seen that would probably make it onto the list and I finally managed to narrow it down I've made some shortcuts along the way and cheated a little bit here and there Yeah. and I've put for my number 5 movie and this was one that I kept putting on and taking off and putting back on and taking off because it's it's not a great movie it's not but it's one of those movies that I've watched way too many times if I stumble across it on TV I watch it <clears throat> um, and that movie is Shooter <laughs> now, I, I, li- I like it I do like Shooter but yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I haven't found anyone that doesn't it's one of those movies where nobody goes yeah that's great but I, I've seen that far too many times um, I, and it's one of those ones that it's just comfortable to watch it's not realistic it's silly it's Hollywoodized but my goodness is it fun um, and it's all about a, a, an ex-sniper who is called in to see if there's going to be an assassination attempt on the president what he doesn't realise is he's being set up to look as if he's going to be the person doing the assassination and he goes in the run and he's chased by all these dodgy people blah 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 action explosions usual stuff Mark Wahlberg um, but my goodness so much fun yeah yeah it is it's it's it's, it's kind of a generic exactly yep. movie but but it is an it's an easy watch mm. um yeah I, I've, I have seen it a few times myself um so my number four is uh, a film that i have talked about previously on on the podcast in in my top five i think i've had it, it maybe in a couple of top fives uh, for my money, it's Steven Spielberg's best film, and that is Munich, which is, once again, a true story uh, about the 11 Israeli athletes who were killed at the uh, Olympics in, in Munich. And, yeah, it's, it's about the Israeli squad uh, of ex-Mossad agents who were kind of put together to hunt down the, the, the Black September group basically the, the people responsible for the black september terrorist group um so yeah that's that that is their life really is is it's uh, their life becomes a never-ending series of of planning various assassinations and carrying them out so while the film doesn't necessarily revolve a, around one specific assassination it's kick-started because of one and then leads to like I say, a constant string of others. But it, it's just, it's a gripping story that kind of really tells you, well, about the the, the cycle, the never-ending cycle of van- violence, the tit-for-tat that is never going to end, or seemingly never going to end. Um, you know, they, 
they take one of ours, so we take one of theirs kind of mentality uh, that's that's been going on for a very long time and will continue to go on for a long time mm. henceforth. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's a film that doesn't give you any easy answers. Um, it just says, look, this is the way it is. It, it's, it's not good, but until somebody makes the hard decision, it's not gonna change. So yeah, really great, again, political, politically, kind of minded thriller uh, uh, all about assassination, so, yeah. Uh, my number four is In the Line of Fire, which is a uh, Wolfgang Peterson directed uh, 1993 movie starring Clint Eastwood, Remy Russell, John Malkovich. Uh, fantastic. This is one of the first ones that I, I thought of immediately when I thought of this list. Um, put it on there. I, I remember when this came out and going to see it at the cinema um, all those years ago. I thought it was fantastic then. You really get a... Again, it's a little bit Hollywoodized, um, but I think John Malkovich really sells it as this crazed gunman looking to take out the president. Um, I think that's one of the most marvellous things about the movie. And the cool little gun that he has at the end as well. He makes it out of kind of plastic, I think it is. It's <coughs> awesome. Clint Eastwood really was... A fantastic, it really is a fantastic uh, star when yeah. he's engaged in these kind of movies. And this was one of his last major kind of Hollywood ish movies as a star, and he just knocked it out of the park. So, yeah, in the line of fire, number four. Yeah. One thing I do remember about this movie, <clears throat> um, sitting in the cinema, is it was heavily advertised and it had that cool little thing of the ticking clock. And it would show you like John F. Kennedy's assassination in '63, and the clock would tick, and it would turn the six to a nine, because it was 1993. Yeah. Um, and it just—I don't know why that stuck with me, but it just shows you how when you've got a good advertising thing, it just kind of lands. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so my number three. Uh, th these top three now really hard for me to to put them in order, but uh, number three, I went with The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Um, it, if it didn't have that title and you didn't know anything about the Jesse James story, you wouldn't know that this was an assassination movie until the end. Uh, but that title is very specific. It's called The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. So we we get two big spoilers in the title. We know that Jesse James is going to get assassinated and we know who's going to do it. Um, and I think there's a very specific reason for that. And that is that from the moment this film gets going, you are now going to be in a position of constantly questioning when is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? What are going to be the events that lead to it happening? Uh, because on the, on the surface of, of it, these two guys are friends. You know, this, this guy played by Casey Affleck, he's part of Jesse James' group. So, you know, how does that happen? How do, how do they have such a breakdown that he's going to be the person that does it, that pulls the trigger. And that's what's intriguing about the movie, really intriguing. I, I think, like I say, having that title does set you up in the right mindset to, to, to how they want you to come to this movie. Um, 
and that, that's it really it, it's just it's it's a really blind movie it's, it's brilliant it's got some of the best cinematography i've ever seen by roger deakins he should have should have won an oscar for it quite frankly i don't think he was even nominated because he was too busy getting nominated for no country for old men that year and quite frankly i would have gone with this film for best picture over no country for old men as well um, it was a very, very strong year, it must be said. There Will Be Blood was out as well. Uh, of, of the three, I think that would probably be my number one choice. So, yeah, when, when you've got a film this good that doesn't get nominated because the films that were nominated were actually pretty damn strong as well, it was a good year. And a particularly good year for Westerns, must yeah. be said. Um, but yeah, Assassination of Jesse James by Carol Robert Ford. Absolutely brilliantly made film pitched perfectly uh brilliantly directed great performances by both brad pitt and casey affleck um and just a really good character study of this man and the so-called cowardice that you know he presented in killing his supposed best friend uh was it indeed cowardice or was that the way he was painted uh yeah great movie um, I should be said, I've not seen Munich or um, The Assassination. Oh, wow. Which I need to get okay. to at some point this year. And we'll dive from your uh, Oscar nominated movie into my Roger Corman produced movie. <laughs> <laughs> at number three um, is Targets, which, if you haven't seen before, is, is something a little bit exceptional. <laughs> this is um, this is the best movie that Roger Corman's ever been uh, associated to. with. Yes, <laughs> um, directed by debut director Peter Bogdanovich, who was put under kind of silly constraints. He managed to to get this movie together that is is pretty fantastic. Now, the basic premise is about a washed up actor who is um, attending a drive-in to promote something and there is this Vietnam vet who has snapped and is uh, sniping people from a distance away. It is brilliant. It's, it's, you see Roger Corman and you get an instant idea of what this movie is going to be but then you throw in the director of Peter Bogdanovich who really does elevate this. The ageing actor is played by Boris Karloff um, and you know, you can tell, can, can tell by the way Brian's laughing at it instantly. It's just one of these movies you go, nope. It's number three on my list. It's not number five. This is a damn good assassination movie that has more themes to it than you imagine something that's genre-specific has. Um, it tackles some really difficult subjects and amongst the way that it does the movie. And it still lives up to its genre roots at the same time. It's a marvellous movie that if you haven't seen, you really need to check out. I've not seen it, but yeah, just the fact that it's a Roger Corman picture is, is yeah, t tough. Like, I'm looking at my honourable mentions that didn't even make my top five, and you're throwing Roger Corman picks on there, and, and Mark Wahlberg generic kind of action flicks. Yeah, classic, classic Graham, that's all I can say. Classic Graham. Wait till, you, wait till I get to my cheating number two and one. Oh dear. Okay, number two for me 
is in Bruges. Uh, so from the writer director of uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. For me, this is still his best film. I, I can I can completely understand anyone going with Three Billboards and saying that's his best. I, I totally get why they would say that. Um, the way I see it, they're both five star films. Just this for me, I, I just love it. Uh, it's a tale about two hitmen. One of them on his first job makes a bad hit, makes a mistake on his hit, accidentally kills a child by accident. Um, and they have to go to Bruges to wait it out until Big Boss Man decides what's to be done about it. Um, but uh, turns out the reason, the real reason for going to, to Bruges is that one of these hitmen has been assigned the task of, of taking out the other hitman to assassinate him uh, after he's had a good old jolly time. Uh, yeah, because cause Big Boss Man ain't without a heart. You know, let him have a good time and then kill him. So yeah, it's it's so that's the plot really. It's like Will he? Won't he? What does it all mean? Is there redemption for this character? Can can anyone who's killed a child, whether it's accident or not, can he have redem redemption? Can he find redemption? Um, and that's really what the, the 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 film is about. And it's it's one of the best turns from Colin Farrell. He gives an absolutely blinding performance. Brendan Gleeson, as I've said before on on this show. One of my favourite actors working today. I'll watch him in anything, quite frankly. I watched Hampstead just because he was in it. So, yeah, uh, great film. Okay, so I'm still undecided, Brian, about what I'm putting at number two here or at number one. Oh, this is hard. This is really hard. Kill Bill Volume One or Kill Bill Volume Two? <laughs> nope. Uh, I'm going to, so like I said, I'm cheating a little bit here um, and I'm putting a movie and it's a uh, sequel in at number two, okay? And the Kill movie them. is, and it is an assassination attempt because, the, you know, the T-800 is sent back to assassinate John Connor. So I'm putting Terminator, Terminator 2 at my number two. You're putting Terminator and Terminator Two at number two. I can't. I can't. I, I can't distinguish between the two. Them. They're both great assassination. You movies. have to. You have to. I'm not. I'm not doing it, Brian. Well, that's, that's your two and your one right there. You don't get to have another one. That's six films. <laughs> well, in that case, in that case, my number six is Zero Dark Thirty. So Wait, let's, let's get let's yeah. get back to my my. <sighs> Fine, if you're going to make me choose. Terminator 2. Okay. okay. Um, well, you know, I hummed and hawed because it is a science fiction movie. It's a heavy action movie, you know, and there's nothing that says that that can't be an assassination movie as well. That is the core um, arc of the story. You know, John Connor is to be assassinated by uh, the T-1000. Robert yeah. Patrick's fantastic performance. We did a podcast on this thing. Our yeah. very first one, I believe. No, second. Star second. Trek was our first, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and we gushed over this movie, how just mm -hmm. goddamn perfect it is. You've got Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is the big bad guy who, you know, normally most people would put someone bigger 
badder against them, but they go for a sleek, slim line, more uh, dangerous kind of robot against them, which is just awesome in the T-1000. And like we said, the special effects still hold up. The action set pieces are tremendous. Uh, we get the evolution of the Connor, uh, Sarah Connor's character. And uh, yeah, Terminator 2. What else can you really say about this movie that hasn't been said? Yeah. Terminator's really good as well. Yeah. I, I can't argue with it. It is an assassination movie. It's, it's unconventional, mm. must be said. I not. I don't think assassination movie when I when I think Terminator Two. Um, but yeah, you're right. It it fits the bill. That is the main drive. Um, you know, if, if 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 I was hung up on it being an assassination movie and not just a sci-fi action film, then I would be kicking myself right now and thinking how oh, can I not put it on number one but I'm not going to beat myself up about it too much I think it is predominantly a sci-fi action film uh, but uh, yeah um, I can see why you why you went with it um, so my number one hurrah is is my chance to redeem myself for a mistake Made in the past, not is so the, long ago. Is it the main plot point of it? Gross Point Blank. Gross Point Blank is my number one. So the plot is 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 basically that this guy he goes to his high school reunion, but he goes there because it's he's on a job. He goes to he's a hitman. He goes to assassinate whoever it is this person has told him to assassinate. It's only when he gets to the place he's going. Spoiler alert for anyone who who hasn't do seen. Shall I leave it? Shall I not spoil it? it I'll, I'll, I'll I, leave it. But suffice to say, it's an assassination movie. It's about a hitman who goes to his old town to to take someone out, basically. So uh, yeah. Um, Really great film. I completely negated to to put it in my top five list for. I can't remember which episode it was we did that for. High but, school uh, movie set in high school. A high school movie. Yeah, so that was for the Heather's podcast. Um, completely forgot about it. Uh, I redeemed myself here. I think I did put it in eventually, and I bumped everything down. But uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I redeemed myself here by putting it at number one. Uh, just. One of my favourite movies of all time. Um, it covers so many different brackets. It's my favourite comedy, probably, of all time. It's one of the best high school movies of all time. It's one of the best hitmen movies of all time. Uh, and right now, it's one of the best assassination movies of all time. So, yeah. Gross point blank. If you haven't seen it, one of the best films of the 90s. One of the best films made, period. Check it out. Okay. Uh, my number one is Kill Bill 1 and 2. Yeah, it's, the, it's the one story it is it is, it is. like the, let's face it when it was first coming out they released a poster that was just kill bill mm. the fifth film from quentin tarantino and then eventually we got another poster that was kill bill volume one uh mm. no fourth film is it fourth film from tarantino uh yeah. either way Four. yeah either way yeah and uh, again tarantino is one of my favorite directors um, and this is another one of those movies that just melds so many things together um, very rarely do you get a filmmaker who can riff 
on very familiar tropes and genres and elevate them at the exact same time and make it immensely watchable. Fill it with characters who you understand fully, who all have individual voices, who are compelling to, to stick with. And this just had everything. Animated sequences and homages to the old kind of uh, Shaw Brothers movies of the 70s with the pie Mason and, and things like that. It brought David Carradine back in another role, which is a, a Tantino trademark. But the whole story is all about the bride who is looking for revenge. She's off to assassinate Bill. Tremendous movie. And, and I think, you, you know, I was thinking about it, you could probably have filled up your top five with Tantino movies, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, mm -hmm. but we've not got to that top five yet that'll be an interesting episode mm -hmm. um, yeah i mean like while we're on it i will give a couple of uh, well more than a couple i'll give a few honorable mentions mm -hmm. um just because this was a crazy one like so many of these films are in my top 100 movies of all time um so zero dark 30 just who'd have thought a film about the assassination of Osama bin Laden would would have been so engaging, uh, but yeah, got really caught up in it. Um, Hero, the film by Sang Yimou, a film that kind of tells a few different perspectives on on on, on a story um, using colour kind of thing. Um, Leon, yeah. one of the best assassination movies of all time. Leon, um, so that that's that's one in which the the young girl kind of essentially gets Leon to take out the guy who killed her parents or, or asks her asks him to train her so that she can do it mm. um, Sicario just absolutely blinding film my, my second favourite Denis Villeneuve film uh, Kill Bill as you said and two more in oh, no, there's so many inglorious bastards really great film about the assassination of hitler um mm. that didn't happen but for the sake of this movie it did uh which is really bizarre collateral with tom tom cruise really great movie about a hitman out on the town for the night doing a few hits um and one final one I will mention, which I feel is is really unsung, doesn't get the praise it deserves, kind of underrated, and that's Valkyrie, another mm. film about the attempted assassination of Hitler in this case. So this is the real story as opposed to the, the fake one mm. by Tarantino. Um, and, yeah, given that you know the outcome in that film, in Valkyrie, it's still really tense. You still get really caught up in it. So, yeah, I, I like that film yeah, quite a lot. I think other than the ones you've mentioned, which had a few uh, honourable mentions there, the only one that I, I wanted to put on my list but I was just a little bit unsure about because it's not the main plot point and that was Taxi Driver. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. It was on and off my list ultimately. It's not yeah. the main driving force. Yeah, it, it, that's kind of, kind of, it's a reactionary thing, isn't it? Yeah. So it's a decision that he makes at the end as a reaction to other stuff that's going on, whereas... Yeah, it's it's not like the, it's not the main driving force for his character throughout. But uh, but yeah, some great choices there. Yeah, including Shooter. So we shall uh, move on with the next segment, Brian. Yep. Okay. So uh, just before we do that, I will just say that if you like 
the podcast, if you listen to it regularly or if you watch these video versions, uh, please do head on over to iTunes and give us a rating and maybe just, you know, a one sentence review just to let people know that, that we're worth listening to or worth watching because, yeah, uh, you know, those reviews do help. They help us to get bumped up in the iTunes algorithms and whatnot. So, yeah, we would really appreciate that. But yeah, now moving on to our favourite part of the show, de depending on how it ends up <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> sometimes it's not our favourite part, but sometimes it is. Um, so my turn this week to give the clues. I am going to give five different synopses for films uh, and Graham is going to pick one. And then I will reveal what that film is. And that will be the one we review next time. So, yeah, here goes. Um, number one. When a young man named Jack opens a gateway to another world, the fearsome enemies he meets there want to reclaim the world that was once theirs. Our world. Number two. An army officer is assigned to escort the leader of the very people he hates back home through very dangerous territory. Number three, one man is caught between the law and his foot. Sorry, I'll say that again. <laughs> one, one man, man. One man. One man is caught between the law and his overbearing father as he struggles to do the right thing for his family. Number four, a pair of twins journey home to their tangled roots. Their voyage takes them into the core of deep-rooted hatred, never-ending wars and enduring love. And number five. A young girl is reunited with the father she never knew she had. But his stay with her and her mother becomes increasingly threatening to her innocence. Okay, get rid of number three. Get rid of number three. You have got rid of Trespass Against Us. Right, okay, I've seen that one. Um, okay. it's, it's good. It's, it's a good movie. Um, I'm going to also get rid of number five. Oh, you have got rid of... I was kind of hoping you'd go with this one, but hey-ho. You've got rid of Stoker. Oh, dang. Mm. Ooh. Oh, that hurts. That yeah, I, that, that, that was the one I was... What was the synopsis again? A young girl is reunited with the father she never knew she had, but his stay with her and her mother becomes increasingly threatening to her innocence. Does that sound about right? Uh, it's Uncle Charlie. Yeah. Oh, is it, is it? It's an uncle, not yeah. a father. Oh, right. Okay. That's that a crap synopsis then, sorry. My apologies. <sighs> what was number four again, Brian? Number four is a pair of twins journey home to their tangled roots. Their voyage takes them into the core of deep-rooted hatred, never-ending wars and enduring love. Yeah, I think I'm going to sack that. I'm going to sack that. That is Denis Villeneuve's Incendies. Oh, I've not watched that. 
Mm. I've not watched any of these, I will say. All of these oh. films are films I've not seen. Oh, you've not seen Stoker. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, okay, give me one and two again. So, one and two. Number one. When are you... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> when a young man named Jack opens a gateway to another world, the fearsome enemies he meets there want to reclaim the world that was once theirs. Our world. And number two. An army officer is assigned to escort the leader of, of the very people he hates back home through very dangerous territory. See, these two sound extremely familiar. <laughs> What's the chances I've seen them, Brian? I think you've probably seen them both. Um, I will say one of them I would like to see more than the other, but... Uh, one of them will maybe make for more interesting discussion. I don't know. Uh, right. Then again, it might not. But well, I think I've made my choice. Stoker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I. I think I think we're in for a, a dodgy episode because I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, a good idea of what the one I'm going to pick is. But I don't. I don't. I've got a rough idea. Um, I'm going to get rid of number two. Ah, oh, man, you've got rid of Hostiles, starring Christian Bale. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> you don't like that one, do you know? I don't like the director. Oh, what? Serious? Yeah. These movies are just meandering and long, boring. Oh. Are you kidding me right now? No. Oof. Okay. Seems Scott like Cooper. Out of the furnace and that, isn't it? Yeah, Scott yeah, Cooper, isn't oh, it? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will agree with you on... Um, did he do Crazy Heart? Crazy Heart. Yeah, out of, but, out of the furnace. but... There's another one he did that was rotten as well. Yeah, Black Mass. That was great. No, Black Mass, Black Mass was awesome. The Johnny Depp one. Oh, that was awful. No. <laughs> See, and I, I disagree with you on Out of the Furnace as well. I'd say that was a four-star film. We are on completely ends of the spectrum with that one. I'll tell you that yeah. much. There's not many directors that I just avoid. Um, Scott Cooper's one of them. Wow, that's not me for six. Really, not me for six. Go on, Brian. Said yeah. that. You must be smoking... You must be smoking crack, <laughs> quite frankly. You must be smoking crack. Trademark okay. Preston Flex 2019. In, uh, trademark Brian Lomax Movie Talk, I'll have you know. Um, <laughs> okay, so you have chosen, and I think this may be a selection that may make you wish you'd gone with a Scott Cooper movie, but you have chosen... The Brian Singer film, Jack and the Giant Slayer, or Jack the Giant Slayer. All right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it. Uh-huh. It um, wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do we really want to do a Brian Singer movie, Brian? 
Well, it, it, it's funny you should mention that because the top five for the next episode is top five Brian Singer movies. Did you want to do top five Brian Singer accusations? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. There we have it. So next month we are avoiding all controversy and we are going to be removing, uh, removing, reviewing, we should be removing, we are going to be reviewing Jack. The Giant Killer Slayer, whatever it was yeah. called. It was called One in America and One Here. I, I think in America it was called Jack the Giant Killer. Yeah. And over here it was called Jack the Giant Slayer. Yeah. yeah. There we are. And the top five will be top five Brian Singer movies. And um, already know what my top two are. Yeah, me, me too. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll get there. Let me get there. Thanks for listening. We appreciate your listenership and we will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. 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 Cause my bed's on fire Don't touch me, I'm a real life